This is the Humans of Gaming Podcast, an open and honest conversation about games, life, and belief. Welcome to Humans of Gaming, I'm Drew Dixon, I am one of your hosts, I am the chief content nerd at Love Thy Nerd, and I'm joined by Chris Gwaltney. Hey Chris. Yo, I'm Chris, I'm the chief executive nerd with Love Thy Nerd, and I'm happy to be here on our podcast, Humans of Gaming, where we get to have people on that work in the industry or influential in the industry, and get to just hear their story and dig a little deeper and find out who they are as people and what makes them tick and stuff. Yeah, we're excited about this one. But before we jump in, I have a question, Uh-oh. kind of like business question about our podcast uh, or logistics. <laughs> I don't know time what, the right, what the right word is. Oh, okay. no, I, I think so. All right. I always wonder like what the best preposition is when I say I'm joined by or joined with. Joined well, as. No, that would. How work. would you? What's your what preposition? Would joined you use? to. <laughs> that definitely doesn't work. Uh, I don't know. Change it every week and see if we get okay. any. You know. Well, you I should recently, know. You're the you're the, you're the well, editor. Well, it was funny. Like editor, I was doing. Yeah, I know. I was doing these a bunch of these little interviews at Gen Con, and somebody like kind of got upset. They're like, "That was a weird preposition you chose." And so now <laughs> they got I'm upset? like, not upset, but like. It was like what, what, just sort of like thrown. Yeah, triggered. Like, why did you choose? I can't even remember which preposition it was, but it's kind of like, hey, that was odd. Why'd you do that? Um, oh, I think he said it in love. But well, it was hey, still- you know, you guys uh, listen to this can email us all your thoughts and opinions <laughs> yeah. about the preposition right. that we right. should, that Drew should use. Yeah, uh, yep. Drew at lovethynerd.com. He'd love to hear from you. I uh, would do. Um, and you can tell me your thoughts about other gra- grammatical things like Oxford commas or um, mm-hmm. M dashes. So uh, our special guest is Richard Rouse. Hey, Richard, how are you? Hey, I'm good. I'm I'm loving b- being here. And <laughs> I'm trying to think how to work the preposition into this. I think it's joined by. I'm joined sure. by. That is that's the N- that is the NPR like. standard. Oh, yeah. well, then that's, oh, that's the case. That's, yeah. yeah. Done deal. They, we know the answer. They, yeah, they've been doing this for a while. I almost said Richard Rouse the third, but then I remembered when we had you on the first time. You were like, I don't know. I don't like necessarily people to refer to me that way, so I didn't this time. But now I've acknowledged that you are the third in the land of Richard Rouse's. <laughs> wow, which is fun. It's true. It's true. I mean, yeah, I feel like I just now- think it. I think it looks great on paper. I just think it sounds weird out loud. Right. So, yeah. Hence, hence my personal preference. But I never correct anyone who does it. I only correct. Do you have? Ask. Do you have children? By the way, I do. Yeah, they and not, uh, is they are not. None of them are named Richard. Oh, so I you are like the one that well. you're the end of the line. A, <laughs> you are the one that put a stop to that nonsense. Well, see, it's funny. Uh, the the technically, I believe with with the suffixes, you're not supposed to name another one the same name with the suffix like the fourth if the first one is no longer alive. I oh. think technically oh. that's the rule, and that was the case. Like my grandfather on the Rouse side was no longer well, neither grandfather oh. was alive when my kids were born, um, and so there's that. But I think we would have gotten past that and just rolled with the fourth. But I had told my wife 
that growing up I hated the third because it seemed ridiculous and it would always be on the class roll and people oh, totally. would call it out and say like Richard Rouse the third and then it would be ha 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 you know the whole class would laugh <laughs> and I did not like this and then sort of using it as an adult professionally was sort of you know reclaiming it for something as as you mm-hmm. do uh, and she was like right well then we, we're not going to use that because I don't want to put my kid through you know torture growing up <laughs> And yeah. I was like, kids, no, I shouldn't. I shouldn't have said anything. Uh, so yeah, I don't. I don't know how I. I don't. You I, get crap, I don't think like, about it much. Yeah. Did you get crap going growing up for your name? Because I know, like, you know, there's the. You mean other than the uh, part, the third part? <laughs> yeah. No. Like, I was just thinking about people. You know, kids growing up. Richard, for whatever reason, Dick is a short name for sure. Richard. Yeah. And. uh you can also whoever, make it Rick, whoever you can make came it up with Ricky. that was a dick. <laughs> yeah. I think at the time it became prominent, you know, a hundred years ago or whenever, it was not slang for genitalia as well. Mm-hmm. So like that came later, and then you know, and my dad actually went by Dick for years before he couldn't do it anymore. <laughs> yeah, or, or thought it was silly or something. I, and I yeah. never got a good story why he stopped. But before I was born, he'd stopped using Dick. And I think it may have been Richard Nixon Association because he was Tricky Dick, if you may recall. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, and, you know, you don't want to be associated with that. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, there's other bad things with my name because the last name Rouse rhymes with a lot of things. And if you were to change right. Ricky into Mickey, you could then yeah. change the there last name. <laughs> <laughs> Gosh, you were you. not you were not set up for success. No, no, but it's all good now. Yeah. Now I have one You've of the few, I have one of the few good boy names I found. I found it very difficult to find boy names that I liked when. What we are your kids' names? My son. So one's a girl, and that's uh, uh, not Richard. And the, <laughs> the boy is named Malcolm. Oh, I like that. That's solid. Yeah. Uh, and then there is a uh, there's a relative on the on the. Um, my wife's side that's called Malcolm too. So that's nice. Strong. Cool. Well, uh, we had you on this podcast because you've made, you've made, you've worked in lots of games in the past. Uh, and you just not too long ago released a new game, the church in the darkness. And we had you on this show. Oh, kind of in the, kind of in the early days of humans. Games, that was a while back. Like. Yeah. That was a while back. Yeah. And, uh, we talked about church in the darkness then. And, um, now we can actually talk about it now that I've played it and other people have played it and it's out there in the world. So, um, yeah, but before we jump into that, I guess like, I mean, you've worked on I'm trying to remember sunset overdrive and you worked on, um, state of decay, right? What, how, how would you frame your work in the games industry for our listeners? Yeah, so the last, the last place I worked before endeavoring onto this project was at Microsoft. So there I worked on a bunch of things in different sort of non, you know, directorial capacity shall we say so like sunset overdrive was obviously being made by insomniac and i like helped out sort of consulting on the multiplayer they were doing and then i worked on quantum break and i worked on this one specific feature on that sort of prototyping things for it and stuff um and like integrating it with connect which was ultimately cut but uh uh, then I spent the most time on State of Decay while I was there, and that was, you know, p- playing those. And and I came onto it right as the first game shipped, and yeah, worked on that was DLC. a cool game. I'm a big fan still. It's probably the game yeah. I've worked on that I like the most hmm. because I didn't make it myself. You know, it's like whatever you make the game <laughs> yourself, if you're me, you're not going to like it anymore at the end. Uh, 
you know, because you, you see its flaws or because you play it too much. Yeah. Obsess both, over it. Both of those things. You see the things you wish you had fixed that you didn't, that no one else can even perceive usually like they want other things fixed <laughs> that you like. Right. But, but yeah. there are things you wish you, you had done that you didn't. And then, yeah, you've just played it so much. That it's the curse of the creative. It's, it's no longer fun and you can't judge it from a distance of any kind. Cause it's just all, you know, all the reasons you got to these decisions instead of just, right. you know, when you play a game for the first time, you're seeing the final result and that's it, you know? Um, yeah. Whereas if you know, oh, we did this because of this and this was a concession for that. And so you've like forgiven yourself for it, maybe not being great or something. Uh, so <laughs> yeah. you lose that perspective or something that people genuinely like. You're like, oh, that's that thing we did in, a, in an afternoon. That was super easy, you know, but you, yeah, because it doesn't bear the scars of game development. It seems less. And I guess like you. the bigger the team too, the more you can be like, well, that was that person's fault. <laughs> <laughs> You know, yeah, and, uh, I but, tend to not. I, I mean, every so often there's a oh, there's that thing that person did and seeing it again. But mostly I don't because, well, I, you know, on something like Church in the Darkness, if I didn't like it and didn't get them to change it, it's my fault. Ultimately. Yeah. Uh, so. Right. I tend to not blame anyone but myself for the shortcomings. I do. still. Sure. Um, yeah. And I suppose like game develop, especially now that you've kind of gone indie and everything. um, it's just really hard, you know, and so I, I, I would I would guess that having now gone through the experience of slaving, I shouldn't use that word, not slaving, um, <laughs> just like like working really freaking hard um, over a game like you have uh, probably puts it into perspective to give some grace to like, you know, anyone else who makes games, I would right. think. To give a little, a little, I'm sure they did the best they could, you know, sort of thought <laughs> yeah. to everything, assuming best intentions, despite yeah. the end product, product not necessarily working out to, yeah. to your liking. You know, you're like, well, they probably had reasons for doing this, you know, <laughs> instead <laughs> of like, what idiot did this thing? Well, now we just, we know... need to teach that kind of grace to the consumers and the <laughs> gamers. Well, and, and often there's the, well, they did want to do that, but that didn't fit in memory or that, you know, mm. that, that had yeah. a problem with this other thing. Couldn't get it done in time or, um, you know, just all the reasons that things don't go as perfectly as you'd like allows you yes allows you to forgive other folks that's the thing that's always i don't know astounding to me or something is like because i i have no clue about all of the intricacies of making games and this like i look at a screen and there's like pictures but it all boils down to like numbers i can't even begin to wrap my brain around any of that stuff so like the idea of me complaining or like pissing and moaning about things that didn't happen, like I can't possibly know <laughs> all of the the things that could have gone wrong or, you know, memory limitations or hardware limitations. Like I don't get any of that stuff. So it's always like, I don't know, it, it helps it helps me uh, temper my complaining. Well, not that I don't complain, but you, but, know. you know, it's it's still OK to be critical of things to some extent right because you have you're allowed yeah. to have taste and like things and not like things and mm -hmm. um you know but certainly there's lots of games like state of decay is actually an interesting example of of that the first game in particular um just shipping in a pretty rough state uh and mm -hmm. having some yeah. like depending on that was a very divisive game where people who liked it a lot liked it a lot and then people who just casually came in 
we're like, well, this is feels bad or like these animations mm-hmm. don't look good or why is mm-hmm. this thing clipping through this doorway? You know, things like that, that they prioritized making a big, expansive simulated world sort of thing over the fact that the doors aren't actually solid. There's a secret in the first game is the doors are only solid when they're closed. And then as soon as they're open, you can walk right through them and, and zombies can walk right through them and everything. So they're not like a fully simulated physics object like they would be in a thief game or something yeah. like that. I definitely um, remember the zombies walking through them. Yeah. <laughs> if, if, if the door is like not all the way shut, it looks like they're walking through. But if you get used to how the game works, you know that and you forgive it and you move on because the rest of it makes right. up for it. Um, yeah. And they, you know, they were working on not a huge budget and... Mm-hmm. Um, prioritized making a very big game that you could play for a long time over making a game that played great in the first hour, you know? Yeah. Um, And then, you know, over patches, it got better and stuff like that for sure. So I don't want to knock them, but as a developer, you're always making that trade off of, do we do something crazy polished? And I'm sure you all, I won't call them out, but I'm sure you all can think of games that that first hour is great. And then there's like nothing there after Mm -hmm. that, you know, or it just feels very (laughs) repetitive or it feels like, just incredibly shallow or something it has nothing to say whatever Um, i was also thinking about like uh and this is not true of this game i think it's a great game from start to finish but i was thinking about the stalker games did you ever play those i have not i have one of them though i wish i'd played it but yeah yeah i just it kind of reminds me of state of decay in the sense that like a super innovative um at the time i think game experience was very immersive very um like unforgiving in a way that was pretty that was really compelling um but like a lot of people had a hard time getting into it because it's just just not polished in the way that i think gamers nowadays especially like i think gamers in a lot of ways have doubled down on that like there's the expectation of this very high level of polish um and i wonder if that sort of attitude is like discouraging you know people to take risks with games like a, like a stalker or a state of decay or whatever that at the time is doing some pretty unique kind of open world, you know, introducing some unique open world mechanics. Yeah. And it's weird too, in the context of developing a game that has a large publisher or something, the publisher will typically, the people who are, you know, reviewing builds and stuff will typically only get that first time user type of experience because they're they're not playing it for 10 hours over a weekend they're right. playing it for the build yeah. comes in they play it for one hour and then they're like why are the the feet still sliding on the animations or something right and uh, which, <laughs> right. which is a classically yeah. difficult thing to solve that is ultimately meaningless you know it's like right who cares if their feet slide it looks i mean it's not meaningless i guess but it's not as important as like the game having something to say, whatever, or mm-hmm. having like a, mm-hmm. a story that works out or whatever. Um, yeah. Or even like the user interface working <laughs> the way yeah. that you want it to. Like that's even yeah. more important. I think. Or like, or like, yeah, you know, things that stop it from crashing after you've played for eight hours. Like the publisher may not see mm-hmm. that stuff, but they'll always see that level of polish the easiest. So like the best publishers will have someone who does play it for 10 hours regularly and then can really give meaningful feedback on that. But, that's not as common as you might hope um, the people yeah. in the reviews and stuff. So that leads to like certain types of games that are more polished, but maybe, you know, what happens in level six is less important. Right. Yeah. So uh, we should talk about that whole experience now that you've released your game. Um, I'd be curious to hear like 
because I know you poured a lot of work into this. Like, what's the experience been like of now, like releasing it out into the world and letting people react to it? Yeah, it's definitely weird and and different than in the past for me because in the past it would always be as a as a member of a larger team you would ship the game and then someone else would take over marketing it or you know supporting the community or whatever right. it was. Um and as a really small indie uh you know, I kind of have to keep doing all those things. There was no like, I'm done now time. Uh, and there still doesn't feel like there is because we're working on patches and stuff. Um, and even more so, like if you go all the way back to the PS2 era, there you had to release your disc to, to the manufacturer. And that would take weeks at least. Yeah. Sometimes more. And then you couldn't patch it after that, like in the PS2 original Xbox era. So you had to like be really sure with everything floss. was done. Well, you had to make sure there was no critical <laughs> sure. bug because you couldn't. Yeah. Because now, if you submit a, a game and there's a and you're say submitting some giant game, and you know the console certification team finds some problems, you're like, we'll fix that in the day one patch or whatever, and they're like, okay, we'll approve it still, and then hopefully your day one patch really does fix it, and sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. Um, but it's a lot riskier, but you have more opportunity to course correct later. Uh, whereas back in the day, it's like, no, you're basically done now. Uh, you know, maybe we would do a game of the year edition and that would have a slightly, but particularly for console games, there was no updates. So now yeah. it just rolled immediately from, you know, getting the game approved to working on some day one patch things to working on marketing stuff to um, then going back to patch things. So it's just been, I haven't had the time to breathe and process as much as I had in the past. Yeah. Um, so that's that's one part to it. And it's definitely a game that, you know, some people get really into and, and some people less so. Um, mm -hmm. the, some of the interesting feedback has been like, I thought this was going to be an adventure game. It's like, yeah, nope. Uh, so, <laughs> and, and so people would, you know, if someone comes in with expectation based on, you know, some interview they read or something and then they play it and it's a different type of game. Sometimes yeah. they're just like, oh, well, not for me. And sometimes they're like, this game's terrible. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, um, whereas if you're making Call of Duty or something, no one's surprised by the final product. I mean, they're not there's delightful things in it, maybe, you know, there's like sure. little tweaks. But sure. the core of what the game is, is a very known quantity. And I would say that's true of like 90 percent of AAA games that you know what you're getting from you yeah. really well by the time you spend your money and i feel like this game has more unexpected surprises for people that may put it in a mm -hmm. genre they don't care for or may uh you know yeah so that's yeah. been been interesting to see as well can you give Whoa. us an example of sorry of like one of those unexpected surprises i know we we want to probably be careful not to spoil it too much but yeah well i mean the game has a lot of it's interesting. We tried to message the way the core narrative works as much as we could in the marketing, saying that, you know, the personalities of the preachers are different every time. Um, and we actually say that, like, in the menus at the beginning of the game and stuff. And yeah. that. Oh, that and is... we should probably, like, frame this for our listeners a little bit. Yeah. This is a. Yeah, Church of the Darkness is a Metal Gear Solid, like, old school Metal Gear Solid inspired top down stealth game where you're infiltrating a cult. Right. And then the cult is, is, is Christian socialists from the 70s uh, who are down in South America, and you are trying to find your nephew in there. But then we change it up yeah. because it's designed to be replayed. It has some roguelike elements to it, but then it also has a narrative that is different in that 
not only can you make choices that lead to a bunch of different endings, but you can also just start out with preachers who are different each time. And we actually have menus at the beginning that tell you, by the way, the preachers will be different each time. Um, and you, once you've finished a game, you get new menu options about, do you want to play a set of preachers you haven't seen before? And when I say different, I mean, that's the other thing. We say that, and then sometimes people think, well, that means they're like totally different. Like one time they're Christian socialists, one time they're a UFO cult. But no, they're mm. basically, their dogma <laughs> Their dogma is always the same. It's just a nuance of like how intense and crazy are they going with it. Um, right, yeah. How so, awful, so violent, or whatever. Yeah. Or not so that's a pretty or, uncommon, yeah. experimental, weird sort of thing to do with your narrative. And, you know, people are still confused about it. Yeah. You know, I still read reviews where I'm like, well, that's not actually what happens. <laughs> uh, you know, and that's that's partly the fault of the game for somehow still not messaging enough. But some people pick up on it and get into it as well. So I almost always, always nice chose, like, I died quite a bit. For my own stupidity, like, I feel like I'm not very good at games is part of the problem. Oh, no, come on. Um, so, I mean, some it just depends, like, but I felt like I wasn't very good at this for some reason. So I would, but I would almost always pick to go back in with the same preachers um, because most of, of my experiences were preachers that were pretty, like, awful. <laughs> I didn't get too many of the, like, sympathetic ones. Um and so I chose to go back to the same ones because I'm like, oh, I'm going to make those guys pay, <laughs> 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 or, or you know, get I got to get, got to get my nephew out of this mess. Uh, so anyway, yeah, and they're I should say too that they're never like they're always extremists and they're always kind of crazy. No matter which version you pick, they've still moved to right. South America. They're still doing weird things. It's still a cult. Yeah. Yes, it's never not a cult. It's just sometimes the guards will not- still take you down. Right, and they're always hostile to outsiders. So there's no version where you walk in and they... And that was an off a frequent request of like, was there a version where you go in and they just welcome you and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, no, because that would be an entirely different... I'd be like right. making tunes, right? Where one is like yeah. Metal Gear and one is a, a total walking simulator or something. Yeah, just or the, like, sim- uh, the Sims. Or like Stardew Valley Cult Edition. Right, right. And that would be a cool game. Like I, I or you go and join the cult. <laughs> the other the other ideas that people have of what this game is are viable cool games, right? It's like, yeah, that'd be a cool game. Stardew Valley Cult Edition, great. Let's let's play that. But it would just be not what this game is. Right. That's like a massive um like that would require a massive amount of design that most gamers don't realize. Right, right. Well if you turned you off can't. the Yeah, if they didn't shoot at you and you just walk through the camp unperturbed, you know, that would not actually be that much fun in the end because you would have no right. challenge. Um, be like but, a five I mean, or ten minute experience. Yeah. Right, right. Um, and it's, you know, I'd love to make a game that varied that much too, but it's a very small team. So, yeah, yeah. So we were you playing when you were playing? Did you play on the normal difficulty or did you play one down on the easier difficulty? Or I, I tried it. You recommended trying on the e- on easy, so I started out there and did pretty well, and then I I I ratcheted it up and died a lot because uh, I was like, oh, I, I'm handling this pretty well, like I cocky. can do. Yeah, yeah. And then I was like, oh, should have just listened to Richard and stayed on easy. But I did. <laughs> when I finally did, I did. I say beat it. I got one of the. How many endings are there? So that's another point of contention with people who've played it is that we have a a menu in the game that shows 19 different endings you can get yeah and there's actually more variants than that even 
but uh-huh. I wanted to just help again, trying to communicate what this game is to people to say, Hey, there's all these different endings. Look at everything you can get, but I don't actually mean you won't be complete until you've gotten all 19, you know, like it's not, it's meant right. to say, look at the possibilities, go get yeah. some of them, <laughs> not go get them all. But you know, so it's, <laughs> but it's, it's a design of that menu to some types of players are like, well, I got to get all of these, you know? And then, yeah. you know, I'm not saying unless you love, I think some people could get all the endings and have a good time, but some would say, I feel like I've seen most of the game, but I haven't gotten these three endings yet. And, and, you know, I've been playing for 20 hours or something. And I'm like, mm. well, if you're tired, you're probably, you don't need to get those other endings. It's okay. It's okay to not get all the endings. That's what I want to say to folks. Yeah. Good luck um, saying that to completionists. To, yeah. The, the important thing is, uh, is the endings are based on what you do in the game. Right. And right. there's, there's consequences to your choices and you can manipulate what happens substantially. Um, and so the importance is the fact that you can do that, not that you would then go back and do other things that you don't want to do later or something. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. Yeah. Our uh, podcast producer is a completionist. So he's mm-hmm. going to be listening to this. Well, I deliberately always... the, the achievement, because we have achievements on the consoles and on mm-hmm. Steam, and there's an achievement for getting 10 endings, but that's, it doesn't care after that. So there's no achievement. For getting <laughs> Ooh, I can dig that. Go. Yeah. There you so go, Jonathan. Ten, if you're I, listening. I almost wish it was like six endings, like because that's pretty good. <laughs> I, I feel like if you get to six, you deserve the achievement. Yeah. Um, so, and it's actually that achievement isn't tied to getting different endings. You could get the same ending a few times, and it would still tick up. Oh, I'm gonna speed run that. If you could do it, <laughs> but it's still the gameplay is still different. Like the the layout of things still changes. Yeah. But but yeah, you do. I don't know if uh, you found this, Drew, but. I've a lot of people do get better at the game because you learn the layout of the of Freedom Town and you yeah. learn the systems you can get through a lot quicker on later playthroughs. Yeah, for sure. I definitely got better at it. I think one of my biggest problems was um uh just for some dumb reason I was mixing up uh I don't know how, but I was mixing up the button to um talk to someone versus to subdue them. Uh <laughs> And so there are a lot of times. Is this like the was, Red Dead Redemption thing where people kept punching their horses or whatever, or punching right, people? Right. Yeah, it's kind of the same idea. And so, uh, yeah, there were lots of people that I ne- needed to talk to and wanted to talk to because it would progress the story, and Gosh. then all of a sudden they're passed out. I wish I could have um, been there watching you. Yeah, <laughs> I did that with my nephew. You just imagine uh, your frustration. <laughs> yeah, and I didn't realize that. Like, well, you can correct me if I'm wrong in this, but a lot of people like you you subdue them they'll wake up uh you know i don't know 30 seconds later or something right. like that mm-hmm. and uh and so you can just wait around and then talk to that person again and if they're like a friendly character or a character that you can chat with it's they won't hate you for subduing them <laughs> um oh that's cool bro sh- yeah <laughs> they, they forget they, you well, did like it, you, basically they since yeah, they like, lost they lost blood flow they blocked out oh short-term yeah. amnesia yeah right yeah. well that's you what happens always, when you get knocked out Usually. Yeah. Right. And you almost always do that from behind. So I didn't even know it was you. Um, but <laughs> but yeah, so I accidentally did that to my nephew and I didn't realize that so that like triggers this thing where he doesn't wake up. <laughs> right. Yeah, he's he's got a he's a weak. He's a weak boy. So when yeah. you knock him out. <laughs> yeah, he's going to so, be out for a while. He's still alive. But yeah. He's not so you have to carry up. him and you can't like sprint when you're carrying him. So you have to carry him all the way to the exit to, you know infiltrate him exfiltrate him exfiltrate out. yeah yeah uh, so that was fun but 
You managed to get him out then in that one. I did. Yeah, that was the that was the one ending that I got. <laughs> Just knocked him out and took him. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, dude. Remind me to like, never call you to rescue me from something. Yeah, he's telling me all about this cult and stuff. I was like, whatever, bro. Let's go. <laughs> You'll have, you'll get out. You'll just have some short-term memory loss and uh, yeah. a sore neck. Yeah. What so do you, you feel like yeah. is, uh, what do you feel like's the best bit of like feedback that you've gotten so far? Whether that's like a Steam review or you know whatever. Well, I mean, the best ones are where they say it's amazing and they love it. So. I, well, I mean, like you know, has there been all. any kind of specific like stories that have come out of that or experiences that people have shared? I mean, that's there's definitely been like watching streamers play it has been some of the most fun mm-hmm. because they'll I mean, the thing about the game is that you can get to an ending that has consequences beyond what you expected them to be. Um, so like the only thing you're tasked to do in the game is meet your nephew. You don't even have to get him out. You can just go meet him and leave right away. Um, and then and sometimes that's a good choice to make because in some versions he doesn't want to go and things seem okay and you can decide to leave him there and then see what happens after um based on the endings because basically once you get to an ending you've escaped freedom town and then it tells you what happens over the following years mm-hmm. um but seeing you know streamers who like oh yeah i got alex out and then sure alex was rescued but now something horrible happened to the rest of the cult and they're mm-hmm. usually watching them react of like what <laughs> oh god and then you see how, oh, I see how I could have done something about that. Mm-hmm. And then now I want to go play again. And so that's yeah. the see. I mean, that was very much the desired effect. I'm not saying every streamer has that effect, but a lot of them have that I've watched when they get to an ending. It's like, oh, no. Oh, geez. Yeah. I got to go play again. I, I love that. was that. what you found, Drew, when, with the ending you got. Yeah, I did because... Well, this would be a big spoiler if I said what happened, I guess. Bad things. Bad things happened. Like, like way worse than I thought. <laughs> like, way worse. And I was like, oh, man. Like, I'm kind of a jerk. Because I just, like, knocked him out and fled. <laughs> I mean. I feel like I that's like, true to life, person. you know? Like, that's I love those kinds of choices and consequences in games where it's like, it's just not black and white or clear cut because that's that to me is a a more accurate depiction of like choices that you make in life is the outcomes can be drastically different than what you expected. And I love that stuff. Yeah. And that was kind of one of the points of the game that, and that it's hard to know what a a cult group like this is going to do based on the limited information you have about them. Uh, What what drew me to the game in the first place was that many religious sects or groups that have weird beliefs. And when I say weird, I mean, you know, not mainstream society beliefs. Um, Often those groups are fine, you know, and if everybody's not being overly exploited or hurt or whatever being in them, then you should let them go do what they want to do. But sometimes those things end in horrible events. And how do you know from the outside? And and that mm-hmm. was sort of one of the points of trying to figure out, am I dealing with one of the horrible groups or not now? And what would be the right thing to do to fix it if I did decide it was horrible? Um, so that's sort of the hopefully the mystery of the game that keeps people playing for those five or six or ten endings they get. Yeah, definitely. you got to go for ten to get that trophy. <laughs> got to push it just a little bit. Just a little bit. Have, you, have you had any um, like mad christians come after you because of the game no i haven't actually I mean, other than drew and i 
I'm waiting for that. That's, that's why we have you. That's why we have you here. You're pissed. Me. Yes. Yeah. No, I haven't seen. Um, yeah, there've been some people and I won't go into it too much who were, didn't like stuff in the game or didn't like the, the existence of the game, but they weren't Christians. I'll just leave it at that. Let's leave it at that. Shall we? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Intrigue. I, but I don't know. Well, now I'm waiting to see what, what Intrigue. Opinion is he having played it for hours. Like does the, theological underpinnings of the cult hold up are you offended drew no i i thought it was like um it actually surprised me in some ways because i mean it's really kind of like a a very progressive in a way christian cult um so like that was one thing that i just appreciated right off the bat is that you didn't go for any like the really easy low-hanging fruit of like ways that games tend to mock Christians, <laughs> you know, like, mm-hmm. and not like that sort of stuff doesn't offend me. Like the Far Cry it was Far Cry Five that sort of you know like gun toting. When well, this yeah, group yeah. is that way a little bit, but like, um, obviously they like guns, but um, but just like <laughs> the kind of you know hyper conservative yeah. version of Christianity that I think is really in some ways understandably mocked by our culture, right? Um, but I appreciated that that wasn't the flavor here. So it felt immediately felt more welcoming to me, um, as like, as like a Christian. Um, but, uh, do you want to join the cult? Um, maybe, I mean, are they taking applications? (laughs) You didn't get that ending, huh? (laughs) (laughs) There is no, I mean, I'm serious. There is a, there are some scenarios where you can go that way. I don't want to give too much away, but, uh, if you do the right things, you might get to stay longer. Right. Have you heard from anybody who's like actually been in a cult that's played the game since? I know I'm sure you talked to people prior to Some, making yeah, the game, but yeah, for sure. Um, and I've seen, you know, I've yeah, I've seen a few comments from people who are like, "Oh, I was in a cult, and this really feels like it." There was one of the reviews that was my favorite from a smaller site was from a guy who said he was a pastor who also reviews video games, and he thought the it was like he felt the cultishness of it was very much on point. Hmm. like like you're doing all the things cults do in this game and he liked that the you know leaders are named isaac and rebecca and that had some biblical he attributed to that a certain biblical meaning um which i may or may not have meant i'll just keep that to myself (laughs) but yeah he had really liked it so that was that was comforting but it was interesting reading his review he's like well clearly these people are misinterpreting scripture and i'm like are they (laughs) <laughs> you know that's yeah. your opinion right i don't know right. how you like did you think that the, the the quotes they were making over the loudspeaker drew were like overly cherry picked for their position or did you feel like they were cohesive and sound and it's okay so, to say, say that no. again well i guess the question like you you as you were playing you know for, yeah. for listeners a lot of the narrative comes across the cult leaders talking over the pa system while you play so you're hearing them right talk about all range of things from how much they hate the u.s government to mm-hmm. you know how you know various atrocities committed in the u.s to you know how the chickens are doing to you know like and they have some <laughs> informational things but then they also particularly isaac quotes scripture that he thinks defends their position and and why they've chosen to leave the U.S. and why they think the U.S. is sinful. Uh, he doesn't use that term very often. Um, right. Yeah. But, but it, you know, he is basing it on on the Bible. Um, and Rebecca yeah. is, is the one who is Isaac is the more Christian of the two is more preachery. And then Rebecca is good with that stuff. But she's more the political socialist of the two. 
Um, mm. And they sort of have aligned their views and are working together. Um, but, you know, you could see a world where she stops being a Christian, maybe, uh, after the game, whereas he, he would never do that. Yeah, or flies off the deep end completely. She's on that precipice, I feel like, <laughs> in some yeah. ways. Like, mm-hmm. like uh, which makes sense to me. Like, it's a very, uh, I imagine being in a cult could feel that way for a lot of people. Um, you know, because obviously, like, a lot of people leave them, and then, and it's a very difficult thing to, like, reenter the real world. Um but, but yeah, no, I, um, I, I, I thought that like, there's even like some hymn singing and stuff and you find some hymns mm-hmm. that were written, uh, and like, um, th- all, all that stuff kind of resonated with me because, um, you know, I could see people in their zeal, you know, like falling into that kind of behavior. Um, it felt, it felt accurate, I guess, as best I can say as someone who's never been a part of a cult, but like. I have had like religious views that I've changed on, you know, over the years. Um, and, uh, like th- that's what it made me think back to is like how I used to be really like stuck on certain issues that I'm like not stuck on at all anymore. Um, sort of brought me back to that, that place in a weird way. Does that make sense? Yeah. And yeah, I mean, they're definitely stuck on their issues, <laughs> which are not, <laughs> yeah. which are, as you say, not the traditional Christian issues. Um, mm-hmm. They're yeah. more they're more from the uh, I was just listening to Fresh Air, the NPR show, and Sister Helen Prejean was on the uh, the famous death penalty opponent who is also a nun, Catholic nun. And mm-hmm. um, they're definitely from her school of of the church. Um, not they're not Catholics, but they're, you know, from that progressive side. And, you know, Sister Helen was talking about how she, you know, doesn't really believe people are doomed to hellfire for eternity and, and stuff. Um Mm-hmm. that like what kind of god would do that some hot takes <laughs> yeah and when and also you know as she came out publicly against pope Fra- francis saying there need to be female priests in the church and stuff mm-hmm. um even though pope francis is otherwise a very progressive guy not on that issue um mm-hmm. so yeah, yeah and those are definitely that's the sort of christianity i saw in my family was that sister helen version of catholicism mm-hmm. yeah. so they've they've definitely taken like than that you know i realized that more and more working on the game that i was like turning rebecca in particular into people in my family um <laughs> and i was like oh wait oh what have i done interesting um <laughs> have you heard from any of them like hey did you make no me- they're not make- <laughs> <laughs> well actually sadly my my i have an aunt who was a nun but she passed late last year um, sometimes she was, you know, quite old and had been not in good health for a while. So it was expected, but sad. She would, but she, you know, um, she would, I don't, has, don't know that she's ever played a video game <laughs> in, <laughs> while she was around. It's probably not a little worry there. Yeah. yeah. And, and you never, you know, it's another, I did have another nun from another wing of the family um, who thought that any M rated video game was unacceptable. And I remember mm-hmm. talking to her about, she was like, well, do you make violent video games? And I was like, well, yeah, but, you know, they're intended for older players. She's like, yes, but kids will play them anyway. I'm like, I guess. Boom roasted. Yeah, right. And I was like, <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. And she's like, yeah, just unacceptable. <laughs> and I'm like, oh. Then we moved on to other topics, you know. She was still Awkward. worried. She didn't throw me out or anything out of the dinner we were at. But, uh, yeah, so I don't, I don't know where. So I've never pushed it with these people of like, look at this game I'm making. It's got some religion in it. What do you think? Yeah. yeah, yeah. It, you never mm-hmm. know how that'll go. I do hope 
a lot of Christians play the game because, and I think especially with you coming at it from a different angle of like kind of poking at maybe even some of the more progressive things. Like I think it, it will help people. I mean, Drew, you kind of alluded this a little bit, like it will help people see how close they are to becoming fanatical, even if they think themselves not, you know, or how close they are to becoming, you know, fundamentalist a-holes or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I hope a lot of people, I mean, I guess Christian or not, I think it can show us how, you know, one or two decisions or one or two changes could lead to stuff that could be really harmful, you know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I And I think that um, it definitely will have people thinking about, um, yeah, about like why, you know, I, I think that's the most interesting part of cults to me. It's like, I always want to know, how does somebody land there? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and uh, I think it's really easy for us as a culture. Um, like we're really our culture is really bad at nuance. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, we want to I think about like almost the opposite of this, of what you've done, Richard, to me is like Bioshock Infinite. Does that mm-hmm. make sense? Like we'll go on like, Bi- yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> Bioshock Infinite is this cult, right? You're You're immersed in this cult. That's just like. It's just awful. The worst. And it's, yeah. it's the worst. And also it's it's like kind of the worst Ameri- version, like the worst version of American Christianity you could think of probably. Well, maybe you could think of worse. There's always someone who could <laughs> think of worse. But <laughs> it's a bad it's a bad one. Yeah. But this one, I think, because it changes all the time, you're forced to like think about it more um I don't know, more holistically and to see the the nuances and, and the people that end up that end up in these things like it's not just a bunch of idiots right that mm-hmm. land in cults it's people like you and me that um you know have concerns and and a lot of those concerns are really like super valid right um they're not all like they're not all bigots and jerks and or 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 imbeciles right um right. and i think like in our day and age uh where where our culture is like super bipartisan, we're we're constantly telling each other to make sure that we're have the right view. What whether you're on either side of the aisle, everybody else is shouting at everyone else. Even people that are on the same aisle are shouting at each other to say like, mm-hmm. make sure your views are right on this. Um, and uh, I think this is a game that kind of prom- to me, I felt like it prom- promoted nuance. Uh, and, and more nuanced thinking in a way that I've found to be refreshing. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely the dream uh, of making it was that it's not the version of cults you have seen in some games. Some games have done it okay, but sometimes it's just an excuse to make enemies to shoot, right? To say, well, they're all cult right. members, so you can shoot <laughs> yeah, them all right. you know, yeah. without, like zombies. You can, you know, zombies yeah. are the ultimate video game enemy because they're like humans. And so mm-hmm. you can you can identify that you're fighting humans, sort of, but they're they're without redemption and should be shot in the head because otherwise yeah. they'll right. you every time. There's no good zombie, right? Um, uh-huh. So that makes a great video game token to <laughs> incapacitate over and over again, right? Which is yep. what like shootery games are are about. And whereas I see the cult here is sometimes not that bad, right? Sometimes just doing their thing, and you should let them alone. Mm-hmm. And trying to figure out 
you know which one it is makes you realize i can't just assume because they're cult people i can kill them all Um, (laughs) and that's sort of that's an important point about humans from anywhere i think you know that there's no point where Mm -hmm. this whole group is is without redemption um yeah much as we like to reduce things down to that it's often not the case i mean they may still be doing bad things and something needs to be done but is it mm-hmm. all of them or is it just the leaders or is it the, you know, how do you get the bad apples out or whatever it is? Right. right. And is there yep. a, you know, I, an important thing to me in the game is even in the bad scenarios, there's always a nonviolent, not nonviolent, but non-lethal solution to everything. Like it's still yeah. a yeah. You know, infiltration game where you're knocking people out and stuff, but it's not always killing them and knocking them out. And you, that's a choice the player gets to make. Mm-hmm. But even I mean, in the worst scenarios, sometimes you subdue them when you meant to just talk to them. <laughs> That's just a user interface failure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The player is always right. That's right. Uh, hey, so it worked good. out for you, Drew. You got him out. Yeah, right. I got him out. Yeah, got him out. It was well, not. It's it's sometimes to your advantage too because the thing I've seen in a lot of playthroughs is someone's leading someone out. They get in a gunfight, and Alex gets killed on the way out of town. Because he's not invulnerable to bullets or anything, um, which is another yeah. another thing that bugs me a little bit in games is the the civilians can't be shot mechanic. You know, oh yeah, you can just spray <laughs> you can just spray into the crowd and know you'll only kill the bad guys because guns don't work that like that. Like that. Um, yeah, and, and like I don't want to reinforce <laughs> that message. Like, if you yeah. want to be a responsible gun owner, that's great, but you should know. You know, like a well-trained law enforcement yeah. person, that you can't shoot into the crowd to try to get that <laughs> not, shot. It's just bullets doesn't. are not discerning. Yes, and physics <laughs> physics is not a hundred percent predictable. So, I always think when people talk about that, I always think of uh, this is a this is a wonderful wonderful. It's a wonderful life. Have you guys seen It's a Wonderful Life? Yeah, oh, it's one of my favorites. There's movies. that yeah. There's that scene where um, the main character like gets into a bar fight, right? And then he yeah. runs. And then he runs out of the bar and. Uh, the policeman, there's a policeman in the bar that chases him out of the bar uh-huh. and immediately starts shooting at him. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, whoa, wait, like, we just that's start in, shooting that's at in him? The, uh, that's in the dark world, if I recall. That's yeah. where, he's, where he's living <laughs> in the world where he had never existed. And so everything yeah. is right. bad yeah. in town. And it's I think that was, that was one of the things that's like, because the cop in the other version of it's a wonderful life, you know the main the main line timeline. <laughs> it's a wonderful life. Uh, that cop isn't shooting at people in the street, but in the dark world, he is. It's interesting to think of yeah. it's a wonderful life as like a branching narrative. <laughs> Dude, it's such yeah. a, man, that I love that movie. Before yeah. it's time. Oh, it's it's great. It's great. And and a and uh, interestingly, critically panned and a financial disaster at the time it came out. I didn't know that. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. It bankrupted the company that made it, which is so the full story is it did so badly that it bankrupted the company that made it, which was a small film studio, partly owned Mm -hmm. by Frank Capra, the director. And that's why they failed to renew the copyright on it. So it went into the public domain. So then by the 70s and 80s, every TV station would show it at Christmas time because it was free to show Mm. because nobody owned the rights anymore. And then that made it hugely popular because it was being shown all the time. And then that's why it had its renaissance and then it became so popular that some corporation figured out how to regain the copyright on it <laughs> now it's no longer public domain wow that's what the full world. the full cycle but an interesting case of like art not being appreciated in its time mm. but finding its audience yeah. much later well i think it's like that that whole like you know branching timeline or 
uh, alternate reality. Like that was definitely before it's time, you know, but nowadays yeah. it's like, I love that, you know, cause I'm a nerd. Yeah. I'm like, Oh cool. It's kind of sci-fi ish. Right. But there you had the, the literal angels talking to each other as twinkling stars. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. which is every time you rewatch it, it like, you see that opening and you're like, Oh, right. This part. Oh. And then it gets, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that part is kind of cringy. I do kind of have a soft spot for not soft spot. I just think it's really funny. There's at least at least once every Christmas, somebody will complain about like some Christian that I come across will complain about the theological inaccuracies of oh that my film. Gosh. <laughs> do you smack them in the mouth when they say it? <laughs> I mean, do you it's... subdue them instead of talking? <laughs> yeah, that's what I do. Yeah. Just, oh, sorry, I pressed. Uh, Pressed E instead of spacebar again. Yeah. <laughs> press press E for Christmas spirit. <laughs> That's right. That's well, I do like, we're kind of running out of time, but one of the things we always do on this podcast is kind of get personal with our guests. And we talked about at length, like your background and your religious background and your, you know, your wife's religion as well. I remember talking about that. Um, like has that, has, has making this game, because I know like, you studied a lot about cults and, and probably put a lot, like you were in the process of making this game, you were probably thinking more about religion than you typically would, I would guess. Yeah, yeah sure. Um, so like, has anything changed for you since making this game? Is your, like, I mean, not even necessarily what you believe, but maybe your perspective about people of, you know, religious people or people of faith? Yeah. Um, it's interesting you say that because that definitely felt that happening where the, you know, even years before I started it, the appeal of a setting like this was let's show some messed up religion stuff. That's fun. Mm. You know? Um, and then as you get into it, I think any, anything you're writing, you need to put yourself in the shoes of the antagonist or the villain, if they're a villain and, and figure out how did they get this way. And in the process of doing that, you make them more sympathetic, at least to yourself. Right. So you're writing them from their perspective. So you're like seeing how someone can get like that. And definitely here, you know, seeing how, you know, I'm not a, a weekly churchgoer, um, though I still go with my mom and the opportunity presents itself. But, you know, I, I guess seeing more what people get out of that, I definitely happened over the course mm-hmm. of this project. Like I had some awareness of it and and my wife's uh, involvement in the church increased while I was working on this, too, which was coincidental because she started working at one and and that means you're going more and. and yeah. treating it a bit more seriously i guess and it wasn't that she was i mean the unitarian so it's a little more they don't have a obligation to go every week for example right? yeah, yeah. catholics do um so anyway so i definitely got more thinking about you know why people find this so comforting um and i don't want to say comforting in a dismissive way but you know living in a world yeah, without yeah. that is definitely without a, a, a knowing there's a larger context to things can be mm-hmm. can be um terrifying right so seeing seeing the yeah. like why people do it and that they're not as they're not wrong in doing it even if you know that you mm-hmm. don't, don't have scientific you know basis for all of the bible or whatever it doesn't mean that you know there's not scientific basis disproving all of it either or disproving depending how you interpret it right like if you interpret it as sure. the word of god then you know, it's harder to back up than if you see it as parables that are still cosmically true, but maybe not mm-hmm. specific detail true. Um, just mm-hmm. kind of like the cat, the post Vatican II Catholic interpretation is that way. Um, so yeah, I definitely saw more of the value there. It didn't make me 
you know, want to go to church every week, but, uh, <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> uh, but definitely, you know, just trying to get into, to what these people valued and, and seeing yeah. that even in a group like this, people have different amounts of, of their own book too, that like yeah, some people are, are fully in and some people are like, I came here for this reason and then this happened. So I'm out. Whereas other people are like, <laughs> I came here for yeah. this reason and then this bad stuff happened. So I'm going to fix it. I'm not leaving, you know, cause this is the right way. It's just this one thing. Um, Right. So trying to get all of those perspectives into the characters. That's why I'm in it. I'm trying to fix all the things. <laughs> Just kidding. Yeah. Not really. Exactly. Good luck. Exactly. <laughs> Just kidding. So you, you actually said something I think is interesting. Is like, um, you know, you said having a larger context for, for I guess, for life and, and things like that. Or, or not having it could be really terrifying. Um, do you have, is there like something that you look to as sort of that larger context for you? Because I mean, I know as someone who's not religious, it's not going to be like, it's not going to be God. What, 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 is there something that drives you to, to keep after it, to keep going? What, and what, and what would that be? I know that's yeah. like a big question, but. That, I, I swing all over the place on that from, from not having anything, which is the dark times to, uh, thinking like hmm. well, maybe there is something to this like this couldn't actually be hmm. random or could it you know and like you can yeah. look at things and say so i just i find the human ability to constellate events together into meaningful things sort of fascinating and yeah. like is there actually something there that is like this can't just be random mm -hmm. or or well i don't know got a lot of planets in the galaxy could be um but there's yeah there's, a, yeah, there's the interesting this is sort of tangentially related. I can't remember. I'm not going to do a good job of telling this, but basically there's a name for the, the, the fear that no, maybe we really are alone in the entire galaxy because we have found nothing. Right. Like, there's, mm -hmm. like you, we should have found something by now. Right. Some hint of yeah. something somewhere. And there just hasn't been anything. Um, and not for lack of looking, obviously we're not that technologically advanced to actually fly to other solar systems or whatever, but deep space travel hasn't happened, but, wouldn't why why would they not have come to us or something right so yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah so it's it's interesting I did also read there's a there's a term that's come up recently called the Anthropocene I think it's called which is the idea that we're in a new geological age because of humans what humans have been doing to the planet mm -hmm. and there was an interesting story in the Atlantic written by a geologist who was like this is the most self-centered view. I've ever seen because, you know, in geological scale, the lifetime of like the lifetime yeah, of humans, is right. the, like if you were going to go run a marathon, it's the equivalent of half of the first step or, or less. Yeah, it's right? like so minuscule. Right. And that mm. everything we've done here in geological terms is going to be ground away into dust in, you know, just another 500,000 years or something mm -hmm. like that, which is just a blip in the life of the Earth. Yeah, just a short yeah. 500,000 <laughs> right. years. So it's like, <laughs> so thinking that the damage we've done to the Earth will like it may kill us off you know it may mm. make make the planet inhabitable us but the earth will you know keep going so in i some need form, to have right somebody look at the foundation of my house probably that's what you're saying <laughs> <laughs> it may not be available for your grand 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 grandchildren should they exist yeah. Right. right yeah yeah drew the 11th <laughs> yeah we're we well that's impossible at this point but I hope that wasn't too bleak a note to get to the end here. My sort of uncertainty. But. No, I mean, I just, yeah, no, I appreciate your honesty. And I think, um, 
Yeah, I just, these are things I think about all the time. And so I was just curious about you thinking about these things as you're writing a game about extreme belief in a way, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and I, I guess I got sympathetic to people too, writing about extreme belief who, you know, I will encounter in life yeah. who have beliefs that I'm like, well, this is, this is, you're taking this too far, but I'm sort of mm-hmm. like, you know, I'm a, I'm a vegetarian. So like if I were president, would I make everyone else a vegetarian? Like morally, would I be wrong doing that? Kind of because everyone gets to make their own choices. Right. But mm. yeah, but in making their own choices, I think they're, you know, killing a lot of animals that don't need to be killed. So, but it's, that's that thing. And you see vegetarians who are very militant and want to convert everyone. Yeah. And then other vegetarians are often tired of those people because they just make us hate <laughs> vegetarians, you know. But are they, are they just more passionate about their beliefs? Like, are they wrong? Right. Yeah, they're just better say, than you, right? They're better if, vegetarians. If someone than tries you. to convert you to their religion because they are certain it is the right one, aren't they mm-hmm. kind of doing you a favor? They think they're doing you a favor, right? Yeah, right. That's what's uh, I think what I appreciate the most about the Church in the Darkness, your game, is that it hopefully. Uh, creates compassion in people for a group that's seemingly uh, we shouldn't have compassion for, you know, like I think it's just this known thing that cults suck and people that are in cults suck and they're irredeemable. But I appreciate the nuance in your game that it hopefully gives people some pause and makes them think about a group of people differently, you know, and that interestingly enough i think that's a real jesus thing to do because <laughs> like that's what he did yeah i mean he you know talked to people about the sumerians and you know these these people groups that the jews like just hated to the core and he flipped it on its head so i love like i i hope more games and media and stuff come out that that give us those kinds of thoughts because we need it i mean just like drew was saying earlier the type of climate that we live in like we really need that compassion yeah and i think games have a unique ability to make you more empathetic because they can yeah. put you in someone else's life they can put you in a environment you're not used to where you say hey wait a minute this is right. mm-hmm. what i thought it was and it's you yeah. know they say like the best thing to you know reduce racism say is to you know integrate communities because as soon as you meet someone from another background or another mm-hmm. you know, yep. skin shade or whatever it is you're like oh you're more like me than you're not, Yeah, you know? <laughs> and so yeah. once there's a face. Definitely. Definitely. So, hey, great thanks. Talking. Yeah. Thanks for making your game. Yeah. Yeah. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah. And thanks for coming on to chat about it again. This was great. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I'll be, so curious, what's, I'll be curious what your audience thinks of it. If they ever get back to me yeah, on that. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm definitely. curious to hear. Yeah. So with that in view, where, what's the best way to get a hold of you? If people want to tell you their thoughts, Twitter, tweet you their thoughts? or Yeah, Twitter is good. Personal um, cell phone. Yep. We've got, uh, <laughs> you know, I... That's uh, funny you say that. I was watching a YouTube video yesterday. Um, I'm trying to build a bike, which is a whole other story. But <laughs> so I've been watching occasionally videos about how to like put different things together, right? And at the end of this video, this guy gave out like his personal cell phone number. I was like, yeah, if you have any questions, <laughs> just text me. Just text me. <laughs> I was like, wow. oh, okay. Bold move, YouTube dude. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Well, I, I back in when I did my game design book, I put an email address at the front saying, just email me here if you have a question. And I did get, I did, it wasn't swamped, you know, I guess maybe because yeah. it wasn't a controversial book or something. Like it could have mm-hmm. gotten an email address. Guess, that's but... like, I can get that. 
Yeah, but it was it was a special one for the book. But, you know, I would get mails from people who were students who had a question or who just wanted to say they liked it or or it had a bone to pick about something in it. And uh, uh, it was I I enjoyed engaging with those folks. So, uh, you know, I like like hearing those stories about this, too. We've got so in terms of getting a hold of me, there's um, Twitter is fine. Uh, Richard Rouse III is my Twitter, and then Church Darkness, just Church Darkness, no articles, uh, is the Twitter for the game, uh, and we can reply to either of those. We also have a Discord server um, oh, cool. that is, it's the Fellow Traveler is the name of the publisher of the game. So if you go to Fellow Traveler, I'm just looking at their website right now, I'm pretty sure there's a link to the Discord on fellowtraveler.games. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's traveler spelled with two L's, which is the Australian way to spell it. Um, but if you Google fellow traveler games, that'll pop up. And yeah, I think they have a link to community at the top and that'll take you right into the discord. And we have a church of the darkness channel in there. And I've gotten some people popping in there with questions about how things work, um, or, you know, what weird endings they got stuff like that, that I like to hear about. Um, oh, we do cool. have an email as well. Paranoid at paranoid productions.com. Uh, I get emails from folks there sometimes. Uh, often asking for review codes right now, but sometimes <laughs> people who've played it who uh, just want to share like a longer form piece of feedback privately or something. Um, that's great too. And yeah, the cool. website is paranoidproductions.com slash church is the game and has links to the, you know, cause you can get it on PS4, Xbox, switch and PC Mac. So a bunch nice. of places, pick which one you want off of paranoidproductions.com slash church. Cool. Yeah, and I was going to ask you, like, is there, what's, like, if someone's like, I want to support Richard, uh, I want him to make more money off this purchase of your game, where where would people buy it? Yeah, so you can get it on, on the stores that come with consoles, of course, and we've also got it up on Steam and on GOG if you want the DRM-free version. It's on Itch as well. Um, we only have the deluxe version on itch, uh, which is probably where we would get the most money, but you can also get the deluxe version on steam. Um, cool. Cause we have, you can get the game, which is 20 bucks and, you know, sometimes goes on sale, but then we've also got for 10 bucks extra, you can get the soundtrack, which has a bunch of songs that the voice actors did some classic mm-hmm. spirituals, some original folk songs that feel like seventies tunes, mm-hmm. um, in addition yeah. to other soundtracks. So it's like 28 tracks. And we've got a bunch of behind the scenes video with that too. So get that deluxe edition. If you're, I think it's, it is called the true believer edition actually. Okay. Get the there we go. right nice. here. Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> pick that up. And, uh, that's, you know, if you want to go the distance with the game, I think you'll enjoy the soundtrack and that helps us out yeah. a little bit more. Yeah. Very cool. Well, great. Well, uh, if you want to follow what love thy nerd is up to, just search for us on any of the social medias. Uh, we also have a Facebook community, which is kind of where most of our, like, following crowd people who are kind of following what we do will are, are there and hanging out and nerding out about nerd stuff so if you want to do that uh just search for love the nerd community on facebook but then you'll also want to like our facebook page on facebook which is just called love thy nerd we have a whole podcast network that you'll want to check out free play is our kind of anything goes type podcast they talk about all things nerd culture um and they also keep you up to date on what's going on with all thy nerd um it's a really fun listen um talk about a lot of board games a lot of video game content too so go check that out uh the pull list is our comic book podcast so if you want to dig deep into the world of comics and what they mean and why they're valuable um definitely check out the pull list uh i think that's about it oh we have 
Facebook Live shows are, well, they're shifting actually now. But we have uh, Beard Bros and Co-Optional. So if you are into board game reviews, definitely uh, check out Beard Bros. And then Co-Optional is an opportunity to to win a free game and watch Matt and his wife play uh, one of the games that that he played on Beard Bros. So uh, a lot of stuff to check out. Go check out lovethynerd.com to check out what we're doing. We have a conference coming up, our very own Love Thy Nerd Con, LTN Con. It's going to be in Dallas uh, in October, October 4th through the 6th. Did I get that right off the top of my head? Yeah. Chris? Okay. Yeah, October 4th through 6th. It's in Dallas. Um, It's only like early, by the time this comes out, early birds deal will be over but it's only 100 bucks so um yeah consider coming and hanging out with us if you want to hang out with us in person you can do it in dallas in october uh, chris and i will both be there so uh, we would love to meet you uh if you have questions about this podcast you can email me i'll give you my real email address drew at lovelander.com <laughs> because you can figure that out anyway oh, here let me look up your number i'll give that to him too. <laughs> yeah. my social security number is yeah. no uh well richard thanks again for coming on this was awesome appreciate it yeah, I loved it. I loved being on the last time and uh, getting to talk to you guys about it. It has been a lot of fun once again. 